Welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Jackson Moody. We got a lot to talk about today. The bowl game is just two days away. And while we are coming to you a little bit later in the week than normal, we're still just two days away from the bowl game. And we have a lot of transfer portal news to talk about. Now up to seven commits by the end of this episode, or really whenever this is released, it may be up to eight in a certain wide receiver out of Washington State. But we got signing day. We got the bowl game preview. We got a Devon Cambridge injury, which is just back-breaking for Texas Tech. We'll talk about the implications that has on the Tech basketball season. And we'll go ahead and talk about the Oral Roberts game and how the team's looking. Here we go. So let's go ahead and start out with a bowl game. And particularly, and I am bad at saying that word, but mainly the QB matchup. Let's talk about this first because these guys... Both young players, and it's basically like looking each other in the mirror. So when you go through their stats for the season, neither of them started out as their team's starting quarterback. They both got thrust into that role. Barron obviously doing it injured, didn't get a full eight games in. Uh, Mendoza was more about six games. But let's just take a look at the numbers. Baron Morton has passed for 1,498 yards this year. Mendoza has 1,447. Both of their completion percentages round to 62%. Averages, average per attempt is 6 for Morton, 6.9 for Mendoza. Mendoza has 13 touchdowns passing. Morton has 12. Mendoza and Morton both have 7 interceptions. The only difference is Barron has 4 rushing touchdowns. Mendoza has 2. These two guys are probably as similarly stacked up stats-wise as you can get between two players. I mean, this team, offensively at least, is kind of like looking in a mirror. Because they also have a really good running back named Jaden Ott, who has over 1,250 yards on the year and 11 touchdowns. He's rushing for 5.5 an attempt. Tosh Brooks is at 1,443 yards on the year. 5.4 on attempt and nine touchdowns. I mean, this team's passing and run games are basically like staring into a mirror. And they don't, neither team has another back with over 70 carries on the year. These two are about as evenly matched as you could possibly get from from a bowl game matchup standpoint. But one thing about Cal's running back that makes him a lot different than Taj Brooks even though the numbers are very similar, is Jaden Ott is a lot smaller. He's more of an agile running back. You'd describe him as a speed back, where Taj is more of a power back, fight for every yard. But And uh, one main difference is you can tell it on some of these hits. He doesn't quite earn his shoulders. He lets himself get hit in the chest. But these are two very similar teams. Neither team has a receiver over 700 yards in receiving. And watching this quarterback, Mendoza, he does some things well. I was just watching highlights from him in their three-game win streak. But one thing is pretty obvious. He throws a lot of stupid interceptions. There are, is going to be one or two interceptions in this game where you just think, 
what is this guy doing? Where is he looking with this football? Like, what is this guy even thinking? What goes through his head right there? Because there was one, it was like a five-yard interception. He threw it straight to the guy in front of him, I think, in that UCLA game. But he does do some nice things right. He had a nice fade for a touchdown against UCLA into the left corner. He really likes this uh, Grizzle guy, their number 83, like a white wide receiver, more of a slot receiver. He had a nice touchdown to him in the right in the flat against Stanford. He went up the middle with him a couple times. One of them was about a 45, 54-yard touchdown. I think that was his longest throw of the season, 54-yard touchdown to 83 where the rush was coming. He... He's somewhat agile in the pocket, but he makes some stupid decisions, which, I mean, he's a redshirt freshman. Nobody's going to really get too mad at a redshirt freshman that has a 2-to-1 touchdown interception ratio because he makes some stupid decisions sometimes. But this is a very similarly composed team to you offensively. Defensively, they have a really bad secondary. They have a terrible secondary. And this is a good sign for Texas Tech. This is one where, and we're going to talk about the receivers that we're going to play in a minute in this game. But this is one that you're excited with Morton getting three weeks off. Can he throw the ball well? Can he actually test the secondary? Is his shoulder good enough now that he hasn't had to play a real game in three weeks? He hasn't been hit in three weeks. Will he be able to get the ball down the field? And... One other similarity with us is they have a stud freshman linebacker in Cade Ulave. Um, I probably mispronounced that. I saw it spelled and knew that I could spell it, but I probably mispronounced that. But they do have a stud linebacker. They have another linebacker who's very slow. So I think some outside runs with Taj Brooks could be really good for us. But enough on Cal. Focusing on our team. Because we're missing a lot of guys. You're going to have to get a new left tackle for this game because Monroe Mills, and we'll get to him when we talk about the transfer portal, is out. So, first off, on the outside, you obviously still have Koi Aiken, but you're going to need to replace Jerram Bradley. Which, I will say, replacing Jerram Bradley for a lot of the games this season has only been meant replacing one or two catches. So, Who's going to start on the outside? I think that Jordan Brown would be my choice. I know Loic Fungi is transferring and wants to play in the bowl game. I'm going to be honest with y'all. The only guys offensively that I care to see in playmaking positions that won't be back next year would be Xavier White because he's been here for four years and then Baylor Cup because he's been here for a few years. Everybody else who's transferring, I wouldn't really want to see them. So in the middle... In the slot positions, you're going to have Xavier White and Dre McRae. Maybe you have Hokut. Maybe he gets a pass. I'm sure in the tight end, you'll have Tharp and Cup, and I'm sure that you'll have something drawn up for uh, Henry Teeter. But I want to see our three young receivers, Crest, Meeks, and Valson. I really want to see those three guys get some run in this game. And I don't want to take away snaps from Xavier White. I want to see Dre McRae in the slot. I want Jordan Brown to get time. But when we're rotating, I really want to see some of Preston Meeks and Valson. I want to see what these guys have. Because these guys, and I said it last week, I think that you are a lot 
a lot of your wide receiver production is going to come in-house, and we're going to talk about the transfers we just got because we got some huge transfers when we move on to next season, and or a huge receiver transfer, and we're probably about to get one more. But I want to see these young guys, these speedy guys that would that were recruited to run Zach Kitley's system and is the type of receiver that Kitley was successful with because – I don't think that those 6-5 possession-based receivers work in Kitley's system. So my prediction for the bowl game is it's going to be a tight one. You're three-point favorites. I think you pull it out, but it's going to be a really fun QB matchup to watch. It's going to be a really fun receiver matchup to watch. I think, I know people are mad that it's this early in the cycle and that you're going to Shreveport, and I know it's not the best city, but... For anybody watching at home, this is going to be a fun game to watch. This is going to be a very fun matchup to watch, even though it is an insanely late kickoff, 8.30 Central Time. It could be past mid midnight by the time this game finishes. But let's move on to next season. We got some huge news regarding Taj Brooks. He'll be returning, and this one, I said it a few weeks ago, and I know the Running backs coach said it was almost a foregone conclusion that he was going to leave a few weeks ago. So that's why I was assuming he wasn't coming back. But it starts to make more sense. He doesn't quite have the speed that he would be a sure thing in the NFL. And you paid enough NIL money for him that it makes it worth his while, that it's better than him fighting it out on a practice squad. And I think that it's that is the high point or the best thing about NIL is that guys who may be good college players can get a lot of money for playing in college, even if their game doesn't quite translate to the NFL. So, great move by, to get him back. And now let's talk about the other guys that are going to be joining him. One guy that will not be joining him is Monroe Mills. And how do I say this politely? He is being considered by some as one of the top tackles in the transfer portal. I um, Maybe I'm biased. I may be biased here. But all I can think about is that play against West Virginia where he literally let somebody go off his left side, acted like he was looking to block, then let somebody go off the inside, got Taj Brooks blown up, bad blocking by Taj Brooks, but worse by Monroe Mills, and then got Barron sacked for a loss of over 10 yards because he let two guys go and didn't make any contact. Uh, it may just be rumors that he wanted more NIL or whatever, but I don't know. Putting that on film, putting that play on film, and you can go and see it. It was in the second quarter, early in the second quarter against West Virginia. Putting that play on film and wanting more NIL money is the equivalent of me going into my sales meeting, standing in the middle of the table, uh, pooping my pants, and then demanding a raise or else I'm going to leave. If that is true, that he demanded more NIL money, that would be very similar situations there. But we got some big-time recruits coming in, including a couple of guards. That Two of the top six guards in the transfer portal are coming to Texas Tech. Davion Carter from Memphis, and Vinny Skiri from Toledo. So there's your starting guards for next season. And I got to say, it's going to be nerve-wracking a bit, 
a bit nerve-wracking because you also got a couple highly touted O-line recruits out of Western Kentucky that just didn't pan out here. What I'm hoping is the AAC is a higher level and the MAC is probably a lot more physical than the Conference USA is. I would like to stick with the AAC Mountain West from now on for my O-line recruits. But I'm I'm pretty excited about what we got. We still got to get one more tackle out of the transfer portal. If we can get one more tackle out of the transfer portal for next year, I'm going to feel way better about this O-line. And Caleb Rogers is coming back, which in run protection is great. Pass protection, um, we'll see. We'll see what he does in pass protection. But more, but more guys that we got. We got a safety, Devin Cromwell and Javon Jackson, a couple of safeties that we picked up. But Sunday was a huge day in the transfer portal for Texas Tech. You got Jalen Conyers, a 6'4 tight end that was committed or was at Arizona State. And this guy is a stud. He was probably going to recruit or commit to Texas Tech after his freshman year. Tech was his first off forever. And he can run the Wildcat, which is great because now Brady Boyd will never again have to worry about playing quarterback, which happy for him. I posted something about it. Saw one of the likes was from Joey McGuire, so he didn't even want to see Brady Boyd in there. But it's going to be fun. Conyers, he was their only life against Arizona this year when they got absolutely routed. He scored two touchdowns, and one of them he took down to like the five-yard line on about a 45-yard game. So this is a big tight end. You got him and Mason Tharp. You're likely going to lose Baylor Cup after this season. You got two good tight ends now. And we'll, we'll see where a third tight end comes from if there is a one. But you have to feel really good about your tight end position. And then after that, on Sunday, you found Austin McNamara's replacement. And by the way, just like McNamara and the punter that came before him, he's an Aussie. Unlike the one that came before him, but just like McNamara out of Pro Kick Australia, this guy's averaging 47 yards a punt. He comes from Pro, Pro Kick out of Australia, which, by the way, Pro Kick is absolutely insane. There are 69 Power Five programs in the country, 35 of them had a punter out of Pro Kick carry their loads load on punts this year so the majority of power five punters are all coming from pro kick australia you got another one your third straight aussie punter and that's a huge need for you he's going to be great in zach kitley's offense obviously joking a bit uh but it's a huge get for you to get that punter, there's no worry about who's going to be your punter now. You have one of the top punters in FCS. I was looking up stats with this guy, and he would have been ranking top 10 in FBS most weeks when he was punting this year, when he was punting down at FCS. So that is a huge get in Jack Burgess. And while I am joking a bit about Zach Hitley's offense, he got some receiver help. And Caleb Douglas, he's a three-star receiver. One of the top guys, um, or not really top guy, but he's from Texas. He actually started their season opener at Utah this year, got four receptions. That's where his highlight catch came from in the corner of the end zone. He kind of fell out of favor. He only registered st 
uh, receptions in four or four games. He played in five, but he got another four receptions against Charlotte for 37 yards. He He's a guy that could be a difference maker. He had one catch against Tennessee for 34 yards, and you should be getting another receiver. And Josh Kelly, who would be an absolutely massive pickup for you. He has 61 receptions this year, 923 yards and eight touchdowns. He has speed. He can break tackles. I mean, it's not official yet, but Josh Kelly could come in and be one of your starting receivers along with Micah Hudson. You could have just an absolutely stacked receiving room. Even if Josh Kelly doesn't work out, I think that your receiving room is going to be much improved once you get these three freshmen, uh, Crest, Meeks, Allison, into the rotation. Once you have Micah Hudson, and they're all going to be receivers that were brought in by this coaching staff. You don't have any Matt Wells receivers left on the staff. Now for basketball, since we talked about the good news with the transfer portal, we got to talk about the bad news with men's basketball, and that is Devon Cambridge injured for Texas Tech. And I got to say, this is absolutely brutal for Texas Tech basketball this season. This guy, he was playing your number four, and he could do that because of his size. He was 6'6", but mainly his athleticism. He would even move over and play the five for you. Losing Cambridge is about as big of a blow as you could have, as you could have had this year. I, I said I thought Warren Washington was your most important guy to keep healthy, and now he truly is. If Warren Washington goes down, it, it's going to take a miracle for this team. Somebody's going to need to step up in a big way. And, man, it's it's really concerning. Against Oral Roberts, you won 82-76. It's kind of ugly there for a bit. You stretched it out. They came back on you. But you had all five of your starters go at least 30 minutes. Warren Washington got 30 minutes. Darian Williams, 35. Pop, 31. Kerwin, 35. Toussaint, 34. So Kerwin filled in. As another guard, Robert Jennings only got 10 minutes. EY got no time. Kyron Lindsey got no time. Lamar Washington only saw five minutes. And Chance McMillan got his typical 20 minutes. This is going to be a massive challenge for Grant McCaslin the rest of the way this season. For McCaslin to be successful with this team, because you lost your four in your starting lineup, and you lost your number five in the small ball lineup, somebody's going to need to step up, and I really hope that we see some of Kyron Lindsay. I know we burned his red shirt. He only got three minutes in that game against – I'm spacing on who we played before, Omaha. Um, but, man, it, you're either going to need Robert Jennings to step up, and he's two for he went two for nine from the field, so he didn't quite earn that much time. He got seven boards for you. In 10 minutes, or eight boards, seven offensive boards, most of them by his own miss, by the way. But it is going to be a tough road to hoe for this team. I think at this point, you're going to need Warren Washington on the floor. You either need Lindsey or Jennings to step up or EY to step up, or you're just going to have to go guard heavy. And you have the guards to go guard heavy. The problem is you may get your ass or your Sorry, you may get your butt speed in the paint. And now, you got 21 offensive boards this game, so it wasn't like you were just getting murdered by Oral Roberts. But do you have the size to compete in the Big 12? The Big 12 is a very guard-heavy league, by the way. 
So that's the good news. And you have Warren Washington still healthy, getting 30 minutes a game, but he's going to be on his on an island by himself for most of the season. That's where we're at. Warren Washington is going to be 100% on an island. Um, now, if you go guard heavy, Darian Williams really plays a forward. You can start Pop. You can start Kerwin, who went 4 for 7 in this game. Pop's been struggling 1 for 7 from 3, 2 for 12 overall. And you have Toussaint. Then guards, you have Chance McMillan, you have Lamar Washington, and you still have Demarion Williams, who hasn't played at all this year. I think the way back for Texas Tech this season, it's really experimental time for the rest of this month. You have 20 days to figure out what you want to do. 22 days to figure out what you want to do for the Big 12 opener against Texas. And it's going to look a lot like very guard heavy, and you're going to have to shoot some teams to death. And Warren Washington is going to need to keep himself out of foul trouble. I just don't see how you can beat Kansas because they do have a big in Hunter Dickinson and they can target Warren Washington, get him in foul trouble, and you could be in, in some serious issues there. But against some other teams in this league, you can certainly shoot them to death. And is that going to be enough for this team to make the tournament? I think that this Devon Cambridge injury knocked you from really your goal being expectations to make the tournament to if they make the tournament, this is a heck of a job by all the players and the whole staff. And I got to say, it sucks for Cambridge. The only good thing that comes from this is it happened two games before he would have been no longer eligible to get a medical waiver. So he can come back next year. Team probably looks pretty good for 24-25, but man, this is this Cambridge injury was just a bl- brutal blow for Texas Tech's hopes this season. If they make the tournament, Grant McCaslin deserves Coach of the Year. And that's going to do it for this one. We'll be back to recap the bowl game and do a full football season in review. Obviously, we'll talk about Texas Tech basketball against Vanderbilt as well. If you can, go ahead and give us a review. If you don't, if you like what we're saying, if you don't like what we're saying, just go ahead, find me on Twitter, send me DMs. Uh, That's all good. Uh, But that's going to do it for this one. Uh, We'll be back next week.